0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Filato on Football here on the Big Blue View radio network. I am the host of this show, Nicholas Filato, and what seemed like... A slow week of NFL news kind of leading up to this gigantic upcoming week in free agency, which commences on March 17th, but actually kind of starts on March 15th with the negotiating period. Seemed like it was kind of slow. But then Monday night hit, and a bunch of news came out. And that's when I'm recording this episode on Monday night. And the biggest piece of news within the Giants division, the NFC East, is Dak Prescott, who finally, it's over. He signs the deal with the Dallas Cowboys. Russell Wilson is not going to Dallas. Deshaun Watson is not going across state to play for Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones and Dak Prescott's camp finally came to a deal. A four-year, $160 million base value deal with $126 million guaranteed. That is a big contract. But you gotta look, just look at 2020. The brief amount of games, five games that Dak Prescott played in, hurt when Logan Ryan tackled him in the Giants game out for the rest of the season. Remember that defense was historically bad. And Dak Prescott under center was averaging 32 points per game. Once he left, that offense suffered mightily. Zukiel Elliott looked terrible. The running game was horrendous outside of Tony Pollard busting these huge runs. There was a lack of success through the air. They cycled through Andy Dalton, Ben DiNucci, the Gilbert guy against the Steelers. They were just cycling through these individuals. They only ended up averaging 21 points per game for the rest of the season. Not nearly throwing for 500 passing yards. Dak Prescott put that team on his back. And while the record early on wasn't great whatsoever. He still led the comeback against the Falcons, which it seems like everyone was doing this season, if we're going to be honest. But more importantly, he proved his overall worth to the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, this division was up in the air. Seven wins won it with the Washington football team. And Dallas could have been right up there. But the Giants shut that down in Week 17 when they beat Andy Dalton up at MetLife Stadium. But if Dak Prescott never gets injured, All of that could have been different, even with that historically bad defense ran by Mike Nolan under Mike McCarthy. But this deal for Dak Prescott averages $40 million a year. But the interesting part about this is Dak Prescott is going to be receiving $75 million in year one. And you might be asking yourself, and I swear as a Giants fan and somebody who covers the Giants, I always do ask myself because I feel like the Giants don't always have an abundance of cap space. But I asked myself about the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, $75 million a year. Dak Prescott, the Cowboys, their cap space is just going to be in the tank. It's going to be done with. Kaput. Over. Bye-bye. But that is not the case. Because this deal has a $66 million signing bonus and a $9 million base salary. Obviously, 66 plus 9 equals 75. So that's $75 million in year one. But since it was a signing bonus, the cap number for the 2021 season is going to be at $25.5 million, which is $12.2 million less than if Dak Prescott was franchise-tagged for the second consecutive year when his franchise-tag number would go up 120% from the previous year, which is something we're seeing with Leonard Williams. It's something that the Broncos have to deal with with Justin Simmons, who is going to play his second year on the tag in 2021, as well as Brennan Sheriff for the Washington football team playing his second consecutive year on the tag. But one year on the tag is, at least in 2020, was $26.8 million for the quarterback position. That would have been 20% more for 2021. Granted, 2021 number might be different than the 2020 number but that fact is amazing for the Dallas Cowboys because they're not going to be in a disadvantageous situation because they have to allocate all this money towards Dak Prescott but it pays Dak Prescott as well because creatively the Dallas Cowboys were able to maneuver the cap in a manner that won't destroy their team in year one, despite the fact that Dak Prescott's going to be pocketing $75 million. That's why the cap is fluid. It's not a hard cap. You can maneuver things in the NFL, you can restructure, kick that can down the line, backload, front load contracts, and then restructure again, which we saw the Saints do this week. They restructured DeMario Davis, they restructured edge rusher, Cameron Jordan, and they freed up a decent amount of cap space. Which is something a lot of these teams who do this kind of strategy kind of ends up working out for them. Like, look, the Saints restructured the deals of Davis, Jordan, they don't have to cut them, free up $13.4 million in cap space, and then they re-sign running back Ty Montgomery to just a modest one-year deal. Philadelphia, another team that's in cap heck right now because of All the times that they just kept kicking that proverbial can down the line, down the line, and then they give Carson Wentz that contract. It doesn't work out. They have to trade him. They have to eat all this dead cap. Terrible situation. But then they restructure the contract of cornerback Darius Slay free up just under $10 million in cap space. So it's a little bit maneuverable. It's a little bit fluid. And this deal is not going to totally destroy the Dallas Cowboys in year one. And the deal can be worth up to $164 million, according to Adam Schefter. Again, that $66 million signing bonus, $75 million in year one. It's the most in league history. No one has ever played a one-year contract or the first year of a contract or any year of a contract for $75 million. It's insane numbers. But Dak Prescott, they played the long game here. How long have we been talking about this contract? I feel like we've been talking about this forever. And they finally got this deal done on the eve, of the end of the franchise tag. Tomorrow, or when you're listening to this, Tuesday, March 9th, is supposed to be the last day the NFL teams can franchise tag a player. But we haven't seen a lot of franchise tags. And there's reasons for that, and that's because the salary cap has not yet been determined rumored to be around 180 million as a floor last year we saw it at 198 million a lot of teams thought they were going to go into the 2021 season you know 205 208 210 something around there but covid happened revenue dropped butts weren't in the seats so the cap number comes down so a lot of teams have to release players restructure deals and some of these other teams are a little hesitant to be shelling out 15 16 17 million dollars a year to some of these players and some of these players don't necessarily want to play on the tag they want that long-term security but they're not sure if negotiating that long-term security right now in a year where the cap is deflated is the wisest decision so it's just a lot of uncertainty but there is no more uncertainty for the Dallas Cowboys and their signal caller this is a huge deal for the former 135th pick in the 2016 draft, a fourth-round selection. And now Prescott will be 31, gets another bite at the apple when he's a free agent and this deal is over. So he can rack in even more money on that second contract as a younger guy who hopefully, in the Cowboys' eyes, for Dak Prescott, will have played Very well throughout the length of this contract. For us Giants fans, we don't necessarily want that, but the deal is done. We can stop talking about it and debating about it, but the deal is done. It's sealed, and the two sides have found their match. So no more of these rumors about Russell Wilson joining the NFC East, at least for the Dallas Cowboys. Hopefully, he won't go to the Washington football team or the Philadelphia Eagles. But going back to the uncertainty that I was alluding to before, this franchise tag situation. Going into Monday night, Justin Simmons, Denver Broncos, was the only player who was franchise tagged. And he was playing the second year on the tag. So he gets, so he receives 20% more than what he was making, 120% of the franchise tag the year prior. So obviously it's a raise. Giants are in a conundrum with Leonard Williams and this. But we'll get into that in a little bit. But on Monday night, a couple more franchise tags were levied. The Jets franchise tag safety from Florida. Marcus May, very good player. Played very well once Jamal Adams was shipped out of town. Versatile, can drop in the box, can play the nickel slot apex defender role. Not as rangy as some of your more athletic safeties, but a very solid football player and Washington franchise tag Brendan Sheriff and similar to Justin Simmons this is his second year on the deal so he'll be making 20 percent more of what he made from the franchise tag last year and for offensive linemen that's around I believe 14 million last year so he'll be making 20 percent more than that Then you look at Leonard Williams look Leonard Williams was franchise tagged last year. The guy had 11 and a half sacks and was by far and away the best pass rusher that the New York Giants had. But there's still a grievance up in the air with Leonard Williams about his 2020 franchise tag. And I'm going to get into that right after these commercials. The New York Giants, they have some decisions that they're going to have to make in this offseason to where they're better players, I would say two of their top four players, maybe even top three players are free agents. And that's Dalvin Tomlinson, who is a two-gapping nose technique and play one technique in an even front. And Leonard Williams, a versatile pass rusher who can line up all over the defensive front and do whatever Patrick Ram asks him to do. And he did that. And he did it excellently in 2020. After having a Somewhat down year statistically, definitely, but when you watch the tape, you could see he could really generate interior pressure and defeat a lot of NFL offensive guards. But last year, the Giants slapped the franchise tag on Leonard Williams, and he filed a grievance to be paid like a defensive end, an edge prospect, which is considerably more than what a defensive tackle would be paid. And by considerably more, I mean a little bit more than a million dollars. I'd say that's considerable. The edge payment in 2020 was around $17.78 million, whereas the defensive tackle was $16.12 million. And that grievance for 2020 still hasn't been settled. He also has a grievance against the New York Jets about an extension that he had on his fifth-year option and what he thought he deserved to be paid as well. I'm not too familiar with that situation, but I read that in Patricia Traina's article. But the interesting thing here is that money is going to be very important. If he wins that grievance, the Giants will have to back pay him, and that's going to affect the Giants' cap. So uh, that's definitely a situation to monitor, as is the situation to possibly slap the franchise tag on him for a second consecutive year. It would be 20% more than what it was last year. Because if Gettleman is not going to let Leonard Williams just walk out the door. Why would you do that? You spent a three and another conditional pick to bring him over while he was going to be an impending free agent. He's a very good football player. But there's rumors that he may be asking for Aaron Donald type money. And I don't know about you guys. I don't want to allocate $20 million a year to Leonard Williams right now. It's a lot of money. Hopefully they can figure something out because there's no way I want to make him walk either or let him walk, I should say. Dalvin Tomlinson, on the other hand, can he be franchise tagged? Theoretically, yes. The Giants need to create some sort of cap space, whether that's releasing or restructuring the deal of Nate Solder. You release him now. It's going to affect you next year with a dead cap. And then you look at Kevin Zeitler. Zeitler, if you release him, $2.5 million dead cap, he gets paid that, and you keep him. It's $12 million against the cap. That's a lot of money for an aging offensive guard with a one-year deal with a minimal dead cap. So you got to look at Kevin Zaitler and be like, hey, Kev, hopefully they're talking. Like, yo, Kev, you may not get $8 million, $7 million on the open market. So restructure here with the Giants. Stay put. Keep your family here. And play for a little bit lesser on the cap. Maybe we can extend you by a year or two. Kick that, can, kick that cap can down the line like the Eagles and the Saints have been doing. But let's be reasonable here. And they create cap space for the defensive side of the football. And the incentive for Kevin Zeitler would be that, okay, I can make eight, nine million, whatever it is, seven here. And I don't know if I'm going to get that on the open market right now with all the other guards I'm going to have to be possibly competing against in this depressed free agent cap kind of environment so that would be his incentive now is that enough because Kevin Zeitler's is a good player I'm sure he knows plenty of people around the league he's been in the league for a while so does he feel and his agent feel that he can get whatever is going to be more than what the Giants may ask him to restructure towards if the Giants are asking him to restructure that's the big question I would imagine that there are not going to be a lot of teams that are going to want to pay him 12 million there were rumors that hey Giants may be looking to trade him. I don't think there's going to be many biters because a lot of teams envision that he's just going to be released and then they can just sign him to the deal that they feel comfortable with, which makes sense. That's why there could be a lot of moves in this week coming up right before March 17th in the next week or so. Could be a lot of moves as teams kind of try to figure everything out. The Giants are among those teams. And it's going to affect how they're going to retain Leonard Williams and how they're going to retain Dalvin Tomlinson or if they're going to retain either or both or one. I would imagine it would be one and I think it's going to be Leonard Williams, but still a nebulous situation. It's still up in the air as of right now. But a look at Leonard Williams. He has a case for that grievance. He does. I mean, he lined up 800 times on the defensive line. That includes the edge. The majority of his snaps, if you look at it, defensive left tackle, he lined up 60 times according to Pro Football Focus. Defensive right tackle, 267 times. Nose tackle, 32 times. And then, like, one shade and stuff like that, it would be 10 times. But then you look at the Rio and the Leo, which is, like, more of a wide alignment That's an edge, the left end, the right end, and then the right outside linebacker positions, left outside linebacker positions, 47 snaps at left end, 162 at right end, 112 at the Rio position, and then 74 at the Leo position. And he also lined up as an outside linebacker 14 times on the left side, 22 times on the right side. So this dude has a case for that grievance. And how is that going to affect what the Giants are going to pay him or what he feels like he's entitled to? And that's a whole nother situation here that we have to pay attention to what contract he wants. I think it's a little bit complex and I don't have the answers for it, but it's something that I wanted to bring to the forefront of everything that's going on with Leonard Williams. I mean, the guy had 62 pressures, 31 hurries, 11 and a half sacks, He had the most sacks he's ever had last year in Patrick Graham's system. He was stunting and twisting all the time. So even at times when he was lining up as a one-tech or a three-technique, a quote-unquote defensive tackle, he would stunt and twist and get to the outside, and his end path was up the edge or up the pass-rushing arc or attacking offensive tackles and abusing them with his size and his length. There's a lot going on with that. Ideally, I want to keep both Williams. I want to keep Dalvin Thompson. Just don't know how feasible it is. And if it is feasible, Giants have to make moves with Kevin Zeitler. They have to find a way to restructure Nate Solder. And then they already restructured Levine Toilolo, someone I thought would be cut. And then they released Golden Tate. They released David Mayo. They released Cody Cor. That freed up around nine or ten million. The Golden Tate was like six point one million. David Mayo was two point three million. Cody Kor was around two, somewhere Along those lines. So they made some space where they could. Golden Tate, we all knew he was going to be released. David Mayo, he filled a role that he was a little bit miscast in last season. But you could tell his athletic ability was zapped. And it just did not work out. I mean, he was given a small deal last year by Dave Gettleman. And sorry for him. They ended up drafting a bunch of linebackers. And Mayo just did not seem to mesh all that well with the defense and that's kind of combined with the fact that he is a declining asset and then cody core was injured all year so the giants are able to make some moves that way but you got to look at nate Solder opted out of this season his 2020 contract carries over into 2021 and now he's a cap hit of 16.5 million dollars instead of a much lower cap hit and you look at this giants team The fifth-highest contract they have is a rookie contract. The seventh-highest contract they have, rookie contract. Eighth-highest contract they have, rookie contract. Why is that? It's because they've been a terrible team. And they've been picking in the top six for the last three years. Second overall pick, Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones, sixth overall pick. Andrew Thomas, fourth overall pick, man. That starts to add up. Giants don't have one player who takes up more than 10% of their cap but they still are in not great cap shape right now. A lot of players, 3% here, 3% there, 3% there. It all adds up, though. The Giants need to add playmakers for Daniel Jones. They're going to try to maximize this kid. They need to add playmakers. There's still question marks at the right tackle position. You're going to have question marks if Kevin Zeitler is released. But if you let Dalvin Tomlinson go, theoretically you can replace him with another space-eating nose tackle, but it's not going to be one as good as Dalvin Tomlinson because he is criminally underrated. And you should probably find a way to upgrade that cornerback position. Could upgrade linebacker as well. I think Tate Crowder is an adequate starter, somebody you're looking to upgrade over, but it's not a pertinent need as of right now. But I wanted to rant a little bit about the Giants there about Leonard Williams, about these franchise tags. I think we're going to see more kind of coming in. Maybe we'll see Kenny Galladay get tagged here in the next couple of days. Maybe Allen Robinson again It ends tomorrow, but it could get kicked down the line a little bit. There's talks with NFL teams that the franchise tag period may get extended because that salary cap for 2021 has not yet been established and finalized. So we have to wait and we'll find that out tomorrow. When you're listening to this, you may already know that by this point. Anyways, before I get out of here, I just want to bring something up, all right? There was a trade, a 2020 first-round selection was traded from his respective team to the Miami Dolphins, and that player is Andrew Thomas's former teammate at the University of Georgia, fellow offensive tackle, Isaiah Wilson, who literally got traded to the Dolphins for, might as well have been a bag of peanuts or something. And this guy, ever since he basically stepped foot in Tennessee, was an absolute, unmitigated disaster. He had a DUI over the summer, not great. He did not abide by any COVID protocols. That's not good. And he was just not great with authority, reportedly, of course. But then he goes out and he tweets that he's done playing football in Tennessee, deletes the tweet, John Robinson addressed it, and now he traded him. So this first round selection garnered not a fifth round pick, not a sixth round pick, and not even a seventh round pick, but a swap of picks. The Titans are sending their 2022 seventh round pick to Miami, and Miami is sending the Titans their 2021 seventh round selection. That's the trade. That's incredible. It is. This guy, less than a year ago, was a first-round pick. He was drafted. Talked about him on the podcast not long ago about this pending deal. And he was drafted. And remember, it was freaking hilarious because his girlfriend was giving him a huge hug and his mom basically tossed his girlfriend off of him and was like, don't do that on camera. Let my son enjoy the moment, which I totally agree with the mother. But obviously, titans must not have looked into this guy's overall i guess you could say character you say work ethic you can say the way he just presents himself as a professional because i think at the end of the day it comes down to maturity and professionalism when you're out there not abiding by your team's covid policies and putting your team in jeopardy it's not a great look it's really not it's selfish and It was addressed by the Tennessee Titans coaching staff and their front office. And in less than a year, this guy is traded. And that's sad. It really is. And I hope that he's able to find himself in Miami. It's a different situation. Maybe he just didn't mesh well with whatever the Titans had going on. And he matures and he develops into a football player. And he learns from this mistake and this overall experience. But you have to think, man, if you're a Titans fan... If this was Dave Gettleman, if this was the Giants and this was Dave Gettleman, it would be similar to what's going on with DeAndre Baker, but a little bit different. That was a little bit more of a unique, nuanced situation, especially as some of the more factual information started coming out. But this with Isaiah Wilson is just a really, really bad look for the Tennessee Titans and their front office, a front office that has been pretty solid recently with selecting talent out of a lot of these power five schools I mean Harold Landry out of Boston College fell they were able to scoop him up they got Rashawn Evans out of Alabama he's been a solid linebacker for them they got the kid Adoree Jackson from USC he's skilled and when he was out that defense was swish cheese through the air last year but not a great situation for that AFC South team And the AFC South it's a very interesting division right now I mean what are the Colts with Carson Wentz I think they're going to be good. I do. I think they'll be solid. They should be, right? And you got the Texans, the just gross situation going on there. The Titans are a good team with a bad defense. And then you have that total question mark in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer, a guy who goes to any place and wins, at least at the collegiate level. The first year, he always turns the program around, right? He did it at Bowling Green. He did it at Utah. Then he went to Florida tim tebow i remember that it was my high school days and then he goes to ohio state dominates there leaves and usually doesn't leave the places that urban meyer goes to in a in a very positive manner or great fashion but the guy wins now can he do that with the jaguars in that market possibly with trevor lawrence but i find the afc south pretty fascinating i really do all righty that is this week's episode of Falato on football here on big blue view radio dak prescott is staying in the nfc east with the dallas cowboys isaiah wilson is heading to south beach to play for the miami dolphins and franchise tags are starting to come in on monday night but it took a while because the salary cap still hasn't been determined hopefully we get some clarity on that throughout the rest of the week Take care, everybody. I'm Nicholas Filato. I hope you enjoyed this show. Stay safe. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and follow us at Big Blue View on Twitter. Take care, everybody, and have a lovely day. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals.